You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll unpack the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. So um, welcome everyone to the Legally Blissed podcast. I am so happy to have Miss Dina Cataldo. He helps driven lawyers get out of the grind, create clarity on their goals and boost productivity so they can reach their goals with more ease. A UCLA grad, Dina, double majored in English literature and history. After graduating from George School of Law in Sacramento, she became a criminal prosecutor and has tried dozens of jury trials, ranging from DUI to homicide, and she's also negotiated thousands of cases. After a breast cancer diagnosis at 29, Dina realized that breast cancer was the best thing that ever happened to her when chemo seemed like a vacation compared to her 70-hour work weeks. Dina has taught workshops and spoken to audiences at UC Davis Medical Center, Folsom State Prison, California State Prison, Sacramento, the St. Thomas More Society, and the Association of Corporate Counsel in Sacramento, and on her podcast, Be a Better Lawyer. So go check that out. Dina offers one-on-one coaching to lawyers committed to finally changing their lives for the better. Dina, Welcome. I'm so happy that you're here with me. Thank you so much for agreeing to hang out with me and having a little conversation about practicing law, um, trying to maintain blissfulness. (laughs) Yeah, it's my pleasure. I love your your mission. Like it's just in alignment with mine. So I it's my pleasure to be here. I'm so happy. So tell me, tell me about you. Tell me what's something that your bio um, didn't go over that you think our listeners would love to know about you. Yeah. And I think it's something that your listeners have in common. They're very driven, success driven, whatever that might look like. And that meant that I worked a lot and I worked hard. That was how I got my praise growing up, you know? So it's like, that's something I think probably most highly driven lawyers have experienced. And we get socialized to crave all those external success factors, the praise, the money, the accolades, and all that good stuff. And we forget to reconnect with ourselves. So part of why I say chemo was just amazing. I was like, it was like a vacation is because I finally connected with myself when I hadn't for so long, I didn't realize that I was burning myself out because it felt very normal to me. That was my norm. And part of that was fueled by looking for those external validation factors. Which I think is very typical for those success goal-driven lawyers, right? I mean, 
I remember just loving accolades, right? Oh, you're such a great student, you know, always wanting to strive for that, loving those external validations. So how long were you um, practicing law before your breast cancer diagnosis? I was three years in and I was already doing trials and like, it was full force. And I was actually thinking about this today for my podcast, because one of the things I recognized about where I work, which is the DA's office in Sacramento County, and I'm actually leaving January 4th is my last day. So I'm very excited coaching full time. Congratulations. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. <laughs> heck yeah. I mean, I love the work that I do as a criminal prosecutor. And at the same time, I feel more fulfilled doing the coaching work with clients. And so that's, that's really what I'm, I'm passionate about, but I recognize that especially early on in my career, that where I worked, and I know this is true for a lot of firms where young attorneys work, the higher ups really fuel the anxiety and the stress and they make it like a challenge. Like you're supposed to like feel this and you're just supposed to grind through it. And it discourages them from taking a closer look at how they're working and whether or not that's healthy and whether or not there's a better way. Because they've been programmed too to think that that's the right thing to do. Right. It's like, it sort of reminds me of a fraternity or a military, like rite of passage someone has to go through, right? right? Like it's almost like this hazing in some ways that some of these bigger firms put their younger attorneys through. And it's interesting that you mentioned sort of that thoughtfulness, right? Like we get so caught up in the moment of getting the work done, saying yes, staying in the office till eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, right? Billing 60, 70 hour weeks at least. And a lot of young lawyers don't take a moment and take a step back and say, wait a second, what am I doing? Like, they're just kind of going through the motions. It's just such a, it's like a deeply entrenched way of practicing law, particularly in, in, you know, in that law firm environment. Yeah. I mean, that's what really attracted me to coaching is that there's this whole new way to think about things. And I didn't have that awareness that there was a different way. And so when I started learning some of these things, I was really drawn into it because I could see so many successful people creating lifestyles they loved, going after goals without killing themselves. And I was like, wait a minute, if it's possible for them, that means it's possible for me. So what is that saying about how I'm approaching my legal practice, about how I'm approaching my goals, my life, what I want? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when did you decide that you wanted to go through coaching certification. Um, like when did you, cause like apparently like you had that awareness, right? Like you saw that people were able to do, be able to set goals. It seemed like they were living life more authentically than kind of being stuck in that rut of being in a law firm. Like at what point did you see coaching and certification as sort of an opportunity to learn more, not only about how to help others, but how to help yourself. Yeah. I think that it took me some time to kind of come around to it. Cause mm. I, I, and probably your listeners are like this too, was very stuck in the, well, obviously if I do more, 
then I'm going to create the success. So I really grounded out. I did all the programs. I did learned all the marketing. Like I, I wanted to do the work because that's what I was used to doing. And so I allowed myself to just like have that moment of, okay, well, maybe these people who have this mindset training have, have something, know something that I don't know. So I was like, um, maybe instead of listening to my fears about how much money it was and, you know, how I didn't really know what was happening, I would just say, you know what, this speaks to me. I'm just going to do it. What's the worst that could happen? Right. And, you know, turns out the worst that could happen is, is I go all in on myself. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like to you when Dina goes so all in me- on herself? Yeah, for me, it's like, hey, I'm investing the money in myself because there are skills that even when we know them, like I'm a coach, but I have a coach, you know, even when we, right, it's like we may know them, but our brain is still a human brain. It still goes off and wants to do its own default motions, go through the motions. And so I invest in myself to help me focus because it saves me so much time. Like I don't go spinning in ruminating or wondering what went wrong because I know exactly what needs to happen. I need to take a look at how I'm thinking about whatever it is that's in front of me and start thinking differently. And that's like, when I go all in on myself, it's like, okay, let's just do this. And it, and it sometimes takes a while for me to come around, like leaving my legal job was a big deal for me because you know, golden handcuffs, making very easy, you know, easy money in the sense that, you know, it's coming every two weeks, you're going to get a paycheck, but not easy money in the sense of what I would be giving up in myself and going after what I want. And so when I realized I had that moment where I was like, if I don't just make this decision and just go all in, leave my job, like what's the worst that can happen? And the worst that could happen for me is that I totally regret not leaving my legal job. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So I love that you're, you take that position of going all in, right. And you're making decisions ahead of time. And that's something that, you know, life coach school really taught me was, you know, we don't make our decisions about whether or not to have the piece of cake when the cake is sitting in front of us. Right. right. We make, we make <laughs> our weekly, we make our decisions, um, the day, you know, the, the day before or the week before when we're doing our, you know, our weekly planning, is that something that you work with a lot of attorneys on also is sort of like, I, I know that, you know, it sounds like you do a lot of the mindset work, but what about productivity and, and planning ahead? Time management. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's like kind of how I focus a lot of what I talk about because that attracts a lot of lawyers in. And then I kind of sneak in the mindset work. But like, (laughs) but like, but like, there is this sense of never enough. I've never worked hard enough. I've never done enough for my client. And so we really start to get clarity on what enough means. And sometimes that means, okay, well, let's take a look at what you offer in your package. Like, do you want to offer that in your package, right? And if you're doing above and beyond that, do you want to be charging for it? And what are your reasons for whatever your decision is? 
like your reasons, right? Like to just kind of off the cuff, not charge for whatever it is, a phone call, a contract, whatever it is, like know what your decision is ahead of time on that, what your policy is and whether or not you like your reasons for it. Um, and, you know, one of the concepts that we also learn is like, put yourself first on that calendar. Yes. If you're not putting yourself first, you're not going to have the energy to do what you want to do for the rest of the week, for your clients, for your family. You know, that's, that's so interesting that you mentioned that. Cause I was coaching someone the other day and we were, you know, I was talking to her about putting her personal time down. Like, where's your mental, like, where's your time on your calendar? And she was like, huh? Like, you know, she, it was a foreign concept to her, you know, and I was like, okay, your cup needs to be full, right? Like before you can pour what you have into someone else, like you have to, if you, if you are not taking care of your own mental health, like you're not, you're, you can't help anyone else. So I, I think that lawyers in particular are so it's like they plan the calendar and then and then if they can, if they can squeeze in like the yoga session, right. Or, or, you know, whatever it is, it's, they, they kind of try to place it where the things already are. Whereas you teach, you proactively schedule your personal mental health time. Oh yeah. I mean, when I started doing that for myself, cause I did a lot of trial work Yeah, and if you're doing trial work and you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to have a Snickers for lunch and you're just going to crash on the couch at the end of the day. Like, and then you're just going to be worrying and ruminating about your case all day long. So when I learned these skills, like I, I learned some of them intuitively by looking at like, okay, well, what do I like? I like a little bit of time in my morning. I don't like to feel rushed. So how do I change that? You know, and I like changed my bedtime schedule changed when I woke up. But when I incorporated that with like, okay, what would an amazing day look like while I was in trial, <laughs> right? I could do things. This is going to sound crazy for the people who are like <laughs> not morning people. I was not a morning person. I made myself into a morning person and I loved it. So now I'm still a morning person, but like I wake up at 4am, I get dressed, I go to the office, I work on my case. I have my coffee. I just kind of chill get everything prepped before, you know, I had to go to court, go to court the week before I planned all my meals. So I had meals just ready. You know, I could eat something at lunch that was light trial tummy, you know, and then go in and still focus in the afternoon and then leave the office at a reasonable hour to go to my yoga practice. So I could go home and then have dinner and then go to sleep and not worry about my case and start over the next day. But unless you have that, the mindset behind it, that I matter, that how I feel matters and you start treating yourself like you matter, you won't implement any of the stuff I just said. Okay. That's so interesting. So let me ask you a lot of the lawyers that you work with, do, do they come with that mindset that they don't matter? Yeah. I mean, they don't think that out loud, but it shows in your actions, right? Like everything that we have in our life is a reflection of what we think. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't have time to ourselves, if we don't have space to allow ourselves to shine through in our life somehow, whether it's through a hobby or through physical activity, through relationships where we are asking for what we want, it's a reflection that we have the thought we don't matter. Everybody else matters more than us. Okay. That's really interesting because I've noticed 
with myself, like sometimes I've had a hard time asking for what I want, what I want. That was a realization that I've kind of had through coaching. And I think that's, that's really fascinating. And I think it's something attorneys, especially female attorneys really need to, you know, kind of get an awareness around whether or not they are having a hard time asking for what they want. Right. Or what's kind of the flip side of that saying no, (laughs) right. Because, (laughs) Because we take on things that may be beyond our capacity. I mean, I remember as a young lawyer, not wanting to say no to the work that came across my desk, right. For a lot of reasons, you know, it was just, I wanted to do the work. I wanted to learn. I might want to wanted, you know, to work with a particular partner or, or, you know, this particular subject matter. And so saying no is not something I did. And, and I'll never forget, you know, being in the bathroom crying, <laughs> right? Because like you never cry like at your desk, like you go into the bathroom and you're just like, <laughs> you don't show emotions. There's no, no emotion. No, no. But you know, my mentor at that point, um, she did, she, she, she knew I was really upset and she, I guess she saw me in the bathroom and she just like, she was a great mentor. And she asked me, you know, what was going on. And I was like, well, I, t- I think I took on more than I can handle right now. I'm just really overwhelmed. And she's like, let's sit down and look at all of your work right now. And, and we're going to work through it. And it was, it just like, that was a very simple thing, but I'll tell you what, that meant the world to me. Like she helped me so much. Um, just, you know, taking a moment with a young associate, right. Um, and being, being aware as an older attorney that a younger associate might be struggling, I think is really huge because how are we really going to help younger women in law firms if, if we aren't aware of their mental health, right? Like what's going on with them and just being hyper, I think vigilant to that is really important. Yeah. I mean, that your experience there is great and in it brought to mind a couple things. One, where are we not being a friend to ourselves? Like, where are we not asking ourselves, like, what's going on? Like, what do you need right now? And maybe it is just to like sit down and say, okay, let's look at the reality of the situation. Let's take a look at what my assignments are. Let's look at the due dates. Okay, let's just like look at them. Is there any place where I can be delegating? Is there anything that I can say, you know what, this isn't something that I can do right now. It's not something that is uh, able, it's going to conflict with things that I have going on on the calendar. You know, is there any way that, you know, you can reassign this, you know, like those kinds of things, like just looking at it more mathematically and also just being kinder to ourselves, like just being nice to ourselves instead of beating ourselves up. I, I imagine in that situation, you probably felt like really like what's wrong. Like, this is how I would feel. I won't put this on you, but in my situations, like I would feel like what's wrong with me. Like, why can't I do this? Like what, what is like happening here? Like, and, and that kind of struggle that we have with ourselves, if we're not acknowledging it and just saying, Hey, what do you need? Like, like you would do a friend, like, Hey, what's wrong? How's it going? Um, and the other thing that came to mind for me was when I was a young attorney there, I didn't get a lot of that. Like someone coming in and saying like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, it was like, Oh, it was like, 
way to do your job. If you, if you got your guilty verdict or whatever it was, <laughs> we joked around about that. It's like, yeah, it's like way to do your job next. Let's go. You know? And, and if you were in any way stressed out, it almost seemed as if they wanted to like relegate you to some other, like, as if you weren't good enough, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like I, they didn't have any awareness of the tools that you and I have, and I didn't have them, but why aren't we teaching these skills in law school when we're dealing with a high stress environment with people who are unaware of their emotions and how they impact their clients, how they impact their workload and how it impacts the overall stress level of the office. That's my little rant. No. Yeah. I think that, I think that would be brilliant. Like, I think it would be brilliant to teach this, this type of work, right. Coaching work, um, you know, awareness to, to law students, people who are taking the bar, right. Um, people, you know, in law firms, so let me, let me ask you this. I'd love to talk with you a little bit about your thoughts on decision-making from a place of abundance versus a place of fear. Um, I have a feeling that this is something that you might work with a lot of your clients on. I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing Oh up, yeah. But, I mean, I work on myself with this. Right? I do. <laughs> it's like, what I, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's one of the most like important tenets of coaching right? Is really thinking about, okay, where, where are we making our decisions? Are we making our decisions from a place of like scarcity and fear, right? Like, oh my, oh my God, I have to do X, Y, Z, or are we making decisions from a place of, of abundance? And could you talk a little bit about that? I'd love to hear like your perspectives on that and your thoughts. Yeah, on that. Um, I have a client right now and she's, she's been doing really well and, and it comes up every time we hit a threshold, right? There's like a new fear. So it's not as if fear just disappears and we're just like fearless, you know, whatever the commercial is, right? It's like, have no fear. It's like, Hey, you know, it's normal. Right. And so the, the, the first big one that I remember when we came across this decision-making was her charging for consults and she wasn't charging for consults. In fact, she had a hard time at that stage of her, her business with the pricing that she had, like she, she had tons of clients though. Right. But she had this fear that if she charged for consults, that the consults would dry up, they'd just disappear. And I said, well, like, how are you doing? Like we went through her financials. We went through like her calendar and like, she's complaining to me that she's so busy. And I'm like, well, what does that mean exactly? It's like, well, I have a, a gajillion consults and we got a number on how many consults she was doing. I said, well, what's the worst that could happen if you charged your hourly rate for a consult? And she said, well, the worst that they could happen is that everybody stops you know, booking calls and I don't make any money. And I said, well, is it true that you're not going to make any money? Like, well, no, I'm still getting my hourly rate. I'm still working, you know, the, the hours I want to work, you know, even if I didn't have the consults, I'd still have plenty of work lined up for months in advance. I said, so really the worst that could happen is that you just decide that you don't want to charge for consults later. Go, like, oh, right. And then when she started charging for consults and didn't see any let up from people booking her, she was amazed. She was like, oh my goodness. Like I just, they just keep booking, right? They keep booking. And I'm like, yeah. And then the next thing was, cause there's always the next threshold is like, well, should I raise my rates? Well, if I raise my rates, it'll all dry up. 
So I said, but you're complaining to me again about how busy you are. And like, we're looking at her numbers and we're like, is this true? Are you really going to be losing work? Because it sounds like you have more work than you know what to do with. Right, right. And at that point, it's a question of, do you want all of this work or do you want to make your life easier, raise your rates? And maybe some of these people drop off who don't want to pay what you want to do the work for. Right. The people that you might be having a hard time collecting on and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, proper client vetting at the outside outset is super, super important. And sometimes that does consist of charging for those consults. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash bliss for an exclusive introduction. You know, you probably work with your clients on like marketing and like pointing your marketing in a certain direction. And it's one of those things where, yes, you can point your marketing in a certain direction and you're always going to attract other people. Um, and, and I don't work with just like the lawyers who want to build their practice. Like it's any goal. And I talk a lot about my transition from law to coaching and how I kind of found my way into even the business world from criminal prosecutor to like starting my own business online and like all of that. And so I do attract people who are, um, they want to start a business. Like they, they have this passion to do something that's not law related like me and they don't know how to do it without the stress because that's what their default is. So I, I attract people like that too. That's fascinating. You know, I think it's really interesting too, that you do work with some people who are considering transitioning out of law or, um, already have perhaps, but, you know, I feel like attorneys struggle with this whole, and maybe it kind of relates to the golden handcuffs, but it's like, they think that, I think there's maybe that sunk cost fallacy, right? Like, Oh, oh yeah. I spent all of this time going through law school and investing in my legal career, right. All this money, um, with law school. And then took the bar and now I'm three to five years in um, a law practice. And, you know, so many people are, are unhappy and they want to, they look at transitioning out, but they, they get accustomed to the money or, or the lifestyle, right? It's like, you know, oh, all of a sudden my children are in private school. Like what the heck has happened? But I think the truth is that the skills that we learn as lawyers are so transferable. So I would love to, okay, first of all, I love that you're a criminal prosecutor. I think that sounds like, like for me, I'm like, 
that seems kind of like a sexy area of the law. And I know that you're probably like, she's, this girl is completely clueless, but I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. But I would love for you to tell me a little bit about that, right? Like how your skills that you've acquired over the years as a prosecutor are transitioning into your, your venture in coaching, right? Something that people would look at as it being, oh, they're totally different, but I bet there's a lot more overlap than people realize. So, so I'd love to, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, there is a lot of overlap. And it's funny that you say like, yes, criminal law, it's kind of that sexy area of the law. It's just because we see it in the media. I mean, I'm sure if they had patent lawyers in like some kind of law show, patent law would be like the lawyers are the sexiest. (laughs) I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Sorry. It's like there's, they put all this drama around legal shows and um, it, it, but it's, it's really funny because I came into criminal law and the skills that you learn are how to talk to people, like how to communicate clearly, right? How to hold somebody's attention on a jury, mm-hmm. right? how to spot legal issues, right? Okay. There's a, there's an issue. I see an issue. And my favorite is how to cross-examine, how to cross-examine, which I do with my clients, but I add in how to cross-examine with love. With love. (laughs) I absolutely love that, right? Because what we are doing as coaches would be poking holes in people's stories, right? Because at the end of the day, our, our lives are just the stories that we tell ourselves, right? Like what is fact- And what is just the story, right? But, you know, in, in the law, right? Like we're always looking, okay, what's, what's truly a fact here? What's, what's actually just the story, right? So that, that's, that's really interesting. I think it also helps like lawyers, we're all a little skeptical, right? Like we look at somebody's story in a really skeptical manner. Like, is that true? Are they really telling me the whole story? We never point that at ourselves. Like, is that true? And that's, that's actually a beautiful point because that's why coaches have coaches, right? It goes down to what you were saying a minute ago, right? Like we, we, get stuck in our own mind, right? We assume that everything is true when at the end of the day, again, like our experience of the world is just the story that we're telling ourselves about it. Yeah. And of course our story is a hundred percent true. Like we're hundred percent honest with ourselves all the time. All the time, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, um, who has had the biggest influence on you in your career, either in your, when you're wearing your legal hat or your coaching hat or kind of both, either one, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that probably the person who had the biggest influence on my career and my coaching practice would have been Brooke Castillo. I love it. Hey, Brooke. Right. I mean, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's why I was so attracted to her. She's very no nonsense, which I know that you were very no nonsense. Same with me. And she explains things in a way that a lawyer can understand almost mathematical, the way she talks about emotions, which is what helped me connect with my emotions in a way I didn't know I could. 
Um, and it also helped me see where in my law practice, I was not implementing some of these tools that she uses, right? Because like, it's very easy for us to say, oh, their life looks a certain way and therefore those tools work in that situation, right? Like um, I hear this sometimes with people in business where they have multiple kids, right? They're like, well, they can start a business because they don't have kids. They can make a lot of money because they don't have kids. And I look at like my coach, she's got four kids, like small kids, and she's making multiple six figures on her way to seven figures, right? Like, I'm like, oh, so it doesn't have to do with the circumstances. You can take these tools and apply them anywhere. Yeah, but, but my circumstance is different, Dina. Right. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's amazing. That's lovely. Me too. That's lovely how you, you kind of taken those teachings and actually applied it to, to how you practice law, right. And how you work, work with your clients. So what, okay. So you are going to be wrapping up your prosecutor position. Yeah. What's next? What is next for your career? Is it, are we going like hardcore coaching for lawyers? What's going on? Yeah. So I am going to be coaching lawyers full time. That is going to be my new like passion. Like, and I'm really excited about it because, you know, and part of the coaching, right. Is really living in what you've created ahead of time. And it keeps you drawing forward towards it. Right. Like it's just like pulling at you. And so I've really been trying to keep myself in that space of all of that energy is going to now be able to be focused into this passion where right now it's, it's there. Like I get to coach clients, I get to think about them, but it's not in the same luxurious way as I'm looking forward to. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> and you're starting the full-time coaching in with January, 2022. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So I have, let me ask you this. If you could sit down Oh gosh, this is like kind of tying to coaching a little bit. <laughs> I coach you. No. So let's, let's say that you sat down with um, little Dina, like right after she got out of law school, mm. <laughs> little Dina. And you're like, you know, you're, you're kind of entering this phase of your life. You're dealing with a lot of stress. Um, you know, maybe you're a couple of years away from your breast cancer diagnosis. So that's not in your head yet, but what would you tell her? What would you tell young Dina in terms of advice and or anything as it relates to sort of her own mental awareness? Yeah, I mean, at that point, just to be fully honest with you, I couldn't have heard it. Like I, I just could not have heard that message. And the... I couldn't get complex with her. Like we're getting in deep right now, but I'd be able to tell her everything's going to be okay. You know, like it, it'll be all right, no matter what happens. That's, that's interesting because I've asked myself this question and, you know, I've wondered, well, what if I would have like discovered coaching when I was 25, right. Or, you know, just had different influences in my life at a younger age. And I'm like, you know, like, I don't know if I would have been ready to hear it 
right? Like, I don't know if my brain would have accepted it yet, right? Like, ugh, what are you talking about scheduling out my personal, like my, my workout time first, right? Or my yoga classes first? Are you kidding me? Are you, you know, so it is a, it's a little bit of a trick question, but that, that's really, um, it's interesting. But I, I think that there's something to just this message being out there. So if someone's hearing this right now and they're not ready to implement what we're talking about, right? The more you hear this message and the different ways that you hear it from different people, it starts to trigger different things in our brains. And so we start to really, if we're not making that connection early on, like at some point we will make that connection. We're not losing time. Like that was a fear I used to have, like, oh, I'm wasting time. I have so only so much time. And I put myself in like this anxious frenzy, but it's like, no, it's like everything happens and unfolds the way it needs to unfold for the particular person, right? It's never a waste of time if you're enjoying what you're doing in this moment and like fully participating in your life. So let me ask you, what is your must share, must share strategy um, for, for young lawyers? Oh, my must share strategy. A little piece of advice that you give them, like your little nugget. Well, the first thing I would tell myself, you know what, going back to your other question is like, you know what, be nice to yourself. Like treat yourself like your best friend. Like for instance, okay, if you're really like in the middle of a project and you're feeling, I don't know, anxious or stressed or overwhelmed, whatever the feeling is, and, and you're just working through it, ask yourself, do I have, like, if a friend asked me for five minutes, would I give it to them right now? And if your answer is yes, just sit with yourself, just be quiet. Like I like to close my eyes to close off stimulation and just feel that emotion in your body you know, just sit with it. Like you'll be okay no matter what. And just like talk to yourself, like, what do you need right now? And maybe it's just like having a cup of tea. Maybe it's like taking a moment just to write down the reality of your day and like the three most important things that you want to get done today to keep your mind in track. But like, just ask yourself what you need. You have more answers than you think. Yes. I think it's so important for us to allow ourselves to trust our intuition, right? If we're, if, if we're feeling tired, right. Or suddenly feeling scattered, taking a few moments, like really just kind of feeling that right. And asking ourselves, what is it we need? I think it's really interesting how we, a lot of us treat ourselves so terribly, right. And with, with like negative self-talk, um, and, you know, ask yourself, would I talk to a friend this way? Right. Or like you said, what I would give a friend five minutes if they needed me, if they need a few minutes, you know, right. So, so I think that's such a beautiful nugget there. Um, you know, treat yourself, ask yourself, like, would, would I treat my best friend this way? Because at the end of the day, like we're our, we're our own best friend. We should be. We should be, right? <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds good. So listen, I want to be respectful of your time. And I, want, I just want to thank you so much again for hanging out with me and being like so in the mood for Legally Blissed that you put in your Buddha and your candles. I think it's so cool. <laughs> 
So tell people, um, Dina, where people can find you. What's the best path? Yeah. Get out there. Well, my, my favorite ways are the podcast. I love doing that. Um, every week, be a better lawyer podcast. And then I am on Instagram a lot at Dina.Cataldo and it's sounds like it's spelled D I N a cat. I'll do like the shoe, but yeah, that is where I share like everything. And there's, it's just like having an extra blog or extra video for you, like treat during the day to keep you inspired. I love it. I love it. Thank you again for hanging out with me, Dina. Thanks. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.